Good morning. Good morning, Main Street. Y'all come on in. Come on in. So glad that you all could be here with us this morning. For those joining online, we're so happy that you're here as well. Um, before we get things started, we, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pray for us. You know, the last week um, in youth, we've been talking a lot about joy, talking about the fruits of the spirits, and we talked about joy last week. And I just pray when y'all come in today, when y'all come into these walls and you're around each other, that you experience the joy of God. I know that I do. I know that a lot of our circumstances may not be the happiest, but our joy can still be the same because of what, is God, what God has done for us, what he's done through other people to love us. And I pray that you're surrounded by that today. And if not, come and talk to me because I will make you joyful through dad jokes or other things. I don't know. Um, but I pray that you receive that today. So if you would pray with me and then our praise band's going to lead us in worship. Dear God, we just thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've given us. Father, I know a lot of us may come in here without what we would think is happy circumstances, but I pray that we even in those times, receive your joy. I pray that each person that's in here today experiences your love in an incredible way so that the joy can abound in their life and the joy can abound from them so other people can experience the joy that you have um, for us. And I just pray that with whatever's going on, that we give to you in this moment so that we can fully experience your love. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand? My soul cries out, my soul cries out for you. These bones cry out, these dry bones cry for you. To live and move is only you can raise the dead and lift my
Welcome to Main Street on this Sunday morning. We're really glad you're here, and we're really glad of the sunshine and your presence and for the community of faith that calls itself Main Street. Just a few names to mention this morning as we remember people in prayer who are struggling with their bodies or with bad health. Let's continue to remember Dudley Dearman and Tim Cole as they battle uh, cancer, and we're asking for healing for them. For Halle, Harry Hallowell, who's now home, Charlene Singleton, who's home, and Paul Wallheater, who's home, uh, but they're still battling issues. Karen Wiseman, who's recovering from a shoulder rebuild. Um, Jewel Jones will be having knee replacement in coming weeks. I want to remember a cousin of E.J. Hoda, Kendall Dido, um, who just has a few days left to live. Jack McClarty, nephew of Hermine and Bill Granberry, had a skiing accident and had a, a brain bleed. And we want to thank God and continue to remember Sue Pace's son, Chris Williams, who had surgery last week and is recovering. Are there others who need to voice aloud this morning? Well, let's pray the prayer that's on our screen. Almighty God, grant that all who confess your name may be united in your truth. Live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us a reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as Christ loves us. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. We offer these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please stand and let's continue in worship. Thou in me 
that you're all here this morning and sharing in faith and um, I know and your staff knows that there are a lot of other things you could be doing on, doing on any Sunday and we're glad that you've chosen to be a part of a community of faith and life with each other. Um, today before we kind of launch into the sermon let's um, speak our statement of faith together. It helps to remind us what is it that we really do believe. So um, let's speak of this together. We are not alone. We live in God's world we believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, is the word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about um, salt and light. And we've heard these verses many times before. And so let's hear them one more time and ask for God to share with us some insight into how that we might live them. If you'll read the Ebert numbered verses, I'll read the odd ones. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Rather, they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the people of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we... We often can't grasp wisdom on our own. We need some of your movement in our life to help us engage it. Help us to see your hope for us in this text today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. English has a lot of euphemisms um, that make us, make us all smile. When we describe someone as salty... That term has nothing to do with sodium chloride, the table salt that's on almost all of our tables. It has to do with somebody who colors outside the lines. It's a little risque, or maybe uses language that would make many of us blush. Um, such a salty man was John, 
Um, a member of one of my previous churches before I came to you guys, and over his lifetime, uh, John had pretty much done it all. He'd been a highway patrolman, he'd been bartender, I'm sure there'd probably been some drug dealing in there somewhere, and John had language that contained significant profanity, but not the kind of profanity used by somebody trying to impress you. You know, you, you can always tell somebody who's trying to impress you with their cussing, and then somebody who don't even realize that they are cussing. And John was genuinely rough and tumble, and his language kind of matched him. John had met a woman who married him and brought him into the church. Yet though the church and his encounter with God softened John's heart and his life, his language never changed. I'll just tell you straight up. In the particular congregation I'm talking about, John joined me and helped me launch and run a food pantry for 150 people every week in the neighborhood of the church who struggled to have enough groceries to just survive. And at the beginning, John was quite reluctant. Um, But in time, he became the main lover and cheerleader to the 100-plus people that we served every week with groceries. And John heard about their grandchildren and all about their illnesses and their life struggles. And because John had lived the way that he had lived, uh, he was sympathetic. John was larger than life, and his personality filled the space in the food pantry and the lives of those we served. It's always stunning to hear God bless you and some of the words he used in the same conversation, but they were always there. And though John is now dead, um, I still have a memory of him with his pickup joining me at a supermarket in the dead of winter with shorts on and gloves helping me load 150 turkeys to give away at Thanksgiving. John was as salty as any human being I've ever known. All that I know is that wherever he was, the environment around me changed, and it was mostly for the good. That's what salt does. It changes things. Take an ordinary, rather bland dish like peas or um, even rice. Add a little salt to it, and voila, it's suddenly a very different dish than it was before you added the salt. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He said that if you are going to follow him and do things the way he wants you to, you can't help but change the things in life wherever you go. That seems to be a blessing and a curse of being a Christian. Things change when we arrive. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've seen it happen. I have walked into a room and have seen people actually change before my eyes. I've seen people lose half of their entire vocabulary when the preacher walks in. I've seen beer cans stuffed under cushions. I've seen, um, you know, other items shoved into hiding places. I've seen hopeless faces in ERs gain a sense of hope when I walk through the door. And it's really not about me because I'm not their salvation. It's not me doing it. It's who I represent and what I represent. When Christ comes in everything changes. Table salt in the first century was collected from the area around the Dead Sea. I don't know if you've ever known much about the Dead Sea, but it's the saltiest body of water in the world. <clears throat> um, if you, I, I was, I've been to the Dead Sea, but I didn't get in. But people who try to submerge themselves in the water cannot. It's so salty, you're just buoyant. You, you float on top. The sea would evaporate and leave salt crystals on rocks, and so there would be salt-encrusted rocks, and they would pick up these rocks and sell in open-air markets that everybody purchased, 
and large chunks of salt, salt encrusted rocks would be on everybody's dinner table. And if you needed some salt on your dish, you would pick up the rock and scrape a little off onto your food and you would have salt. After a while, however, all the salt was scraped off the rock and all you had left in the middle of your table was a rock. The rock had lost its saltiness. It was good for nothing, just like any other rock that you'd see out around your house. Throw it away. Jesus said, it's no different with us. What is the value of one who has lost his or her saltiness? What's the use of the Christian who leaves things unchanged by their presence? Just as light changes dark into something new, and salt changes what it touches into something new, a follower of Jesus Christ changes what it touches as well. It can't be stopped, but we sure do try. Have you ever noticed that we often, we don't run out of salt, but we'll often shelve it and get it out of, out of, out of sight? <clears throat> I don't know how you are at your house, but I have, you know, a big Morton round salt thing that I used to fill the salt shaker, but it's not out in public all the time. I think sometimes we do our saltiness the same way. We shelve it, hide it. We don't actually run out of salt, but instead of spreading it around, we put it away. Sometimes it's embarrassing to always be the one who's different. I mean, if there is anything about American culture um, that many of us do abide is we try not to stick out in a crowd. Sometimes I would like to walk into the room and just be part of the crowd. I'd like to say, don't change because of me. Just be yourself. Sometimes it's lonely to be the one who's different. Sometimes it's simply terrifying Sometimes people who are different get killed, and in Jesus' case, even crucified. Sometimes I don't want to be the salt of the earth, but there really is no choice. Christians change things simply by being there. Why does Jesus mention salt and light in the very same teaching? Because for Jesus, they are intrinsically connected. The covenant with God, faith, and the visible signs of God within you that others can see are necessarily bound together. Salt and light are twinned concepts. Most of us don't know this, but until the discovery of LED lighting, which we now most of us use because it's so much cheaper in power, um, salt was a major component in those bright white lights. I think it's called sodium hydride lighting. It's the one that makes it burn really, really, really bright light. Those headlights that people have had that you couldn't even, I mean, even when they dimmed them, you were still blinded. Salt even makes that light brighter than it would ever be by being present. The salt or sodium helps the light shine. You are not only called to be faithful. Your faith must be lived out in ways that reveal God's bright light. Most people think that means that Christians are called to be perfect. And there could never be... A worse mistake than that. <laughs> yes, you're supposed to do the best you can, but living a Christian life means to live intentionally. You don't just allow life to sweep you along. You choose to engage in a relationship with God. To be faithful and true it means you have salt within you. And that salt fuels your ability to shine God's light far into the world so that others can see God's divine presence within you. It's not about being perfect, it's about being intentional. Salt is a catalyst. You are to be a catalyst for change. This Jesus says is part of what it means to be a disciple. What it means to have salt in your covenant with God is that salt fuels the light that you are. 
So for Jewish people and for Jesus in the scripture today didn't just mean to be a spicy disciple. I mean, most of us got some, some of us had that covered. Most of us have spunk, or a lot of you do. <clears throat> it didn't just mean to be faithful and kind and loving. It also meant you were to be a catalyst for others. Your life would need to shine because the saltiness within you can't help but to shine God's light with an uncanny brightness into a world and into other people's lives. The light is the sign that your life is burning bright and the covenant that you have made with God is somehow catalyzed with that saltiness. Surely you've had these people in your life. They were so full of light and life that you just loved being in their presence. They didn't necessarily say anything that made you special. They didn't necessarily do anything that made you special, but their presence alone changed you. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is so important because of what it means for us as the disciple of Jesus. Being a disciple is not just about you. It's not just about me. I mean, we, we Americans are very um, individualistic about our relationship with God. Yes, it is about you knowing God through Christ in the Christian tradition, but it's about you and your life impacting the world and especially the Christian community. It's not just about you getting what you need. It's also about everybody else getting what they need. It's about other people, too. It's about how your life impacts the world, and not just the good parts of the world, but even the less savory and more difficult parts of the world. And here's the question I think we all have to ask ourselves. Will I leave the world a better place for having been here? I mean, this is really the question that ultimately we all have to ask. Will I or am I leaving the world a better place for having been here? And if not, what do I need to change to do that? What do I need to do to make changes so that the world will be better for my having been here? Jesus tells us in Matthew's gospel, you are the light of the world. Not, not Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. When you build God's altar of fire and light on a hill where you can be seen by everyone around you, that light cannot be hidden. And, of course, they talk about it, putting it on a standard pole, but street lamps or um, the light on your front porch that shines into the street. It cannot be helped if you are full of light and salt. You are the light of God and on fire for the world. And there are days that our candles burn low, and there are days that we have a bonfire going. Jesus said that the world does things in a certain way and measures success and failure by certain measures, but you will not do it that way. And it's very hard because um, I'll just tell you, of the churches that I've pastored, you're the most professional church I have ever pastored. You all have very um, high-achieving professions, and I would say that almost all of you are successful in some way in your professions. So there is an attempt to, I mean, if you're, if you're achieving highly in your profession, chances are you're meeting all the benchmarks that they're holding for you. But Jesus is saying, okay, if those benchmarks are not really my benchmarks for you, you're not meeting the hope. Our greatest task as Christians today may well be standing close enough to each other to give each other the courage to be salt and light. To find the courage to be different enough to cause things to change. Because as I look at it, 
we could do with a few changes. Are you living up to your call to be salt and light in the world? It's so easy to say that we're Christian, but it's much more difficult to be Christian. And I want to say that again. It's much, more, it's much easier to say we're Christian, but much more difficult to be Christian. And I want to give us some, maybe some insight in what I'm talking about. Christian is not perceived generally by non-believers to be a positive term. And we think that's a more, a more recent reality, but throughout history, being a Christian has not been a positive term by non-believers. So many of our sisters and brothers who are Christian show the worst of us. Anger, ego, greed, false piety. And that probably also includes some of us. We've also done some of those things ourselves. You are to be authentic and to show fruits of the Spirit. And in case you have forgotten what those are, here's the um, verse. Why don't you read it out loud with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you wonder what your target is, there it is. Now, does it mean we're going to manifest these perfectly all the time? No. But this is the target, and if we are living those targets, um, Christianity will not have a negative connotation. When people see you, do they see the Christ within you? I mean, mean, only you can answer this question. If not, what do we need to do to get the savor back into our salt? To get the brightness back into our light? We are called to live for more than ourselves. And that's hard. For Americans, that's really hard. We are called to live for more than just ourselves. We are called to live for more than just Americans. (laughs) We're called to live for the world, for God, for others. Are we willing to be salt and light? You know, I, I think... I would say that 98% of the people in this room have always already made a decision of some sort for Christ. But that one choice is not the only choice you have to make in your walk. We have to continue to choose to follow Christ day after day after day. It would be great, just like dieting. If I could just make the decision one time, I'd stay on a diet. But I don't have to make the decision one time, right? Every time you encounter food, same for us in Christianity. Every time we encounter difficulty, frustration, something that doesn't go our way, every time we have to choose. Are we willing to be salt and light? The call on our lives is clear. May God help us live our call. God make it so in all of us. Amen. When I encounter texts like today, I'll just be honest with you, as a pastor and as a believer, I'm often overwhelmed. Um, It feels like I'm never going to be able to achieve God's call in my life. 
But I do think, as I was sitting this week thinking about this text, I do think I do it better than I did 10 years ago. And I hope I'll, in 10 years I'll be doing it better than I'm doing it today. So, you know, when we live our lives and the changes are incremental, very slow, it's hard to feel like you're making headway, but you are. And so the call is to continue, continue moving forward, continue to answer the call, continue to ask God's help to help us all be more than we are. On the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he likewise took the cup, blessed it, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood shed for you and the sins of many. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. This is the feast of the Lord for you. Come and share in its bounty, and may it help us all have the strength to take the next step forward for our God. Um, I've already asked some people to help us serve, and once they are in place, you are welcome to come and share.
Amen. Amen. Um, before we let you guys go, we do have some announcements. I have one that may not be up here, but um, if I know a lot of you are familiar with Extra Table. They're needing help building pallets of food today from 2 to 3.30 at the Old Trees and Trends at, at the Cloverleaf Mall. So if you or your family or somebody is interested in helping out with that, they do need help. It's from 2 to 3.30 at the Old Trees and Trends at Cloverleaf Mall. Okay, and I think the rest of them should be up here. Yeah, so Blood Drive uh, here at Main Street will be on February 15th. You may have seen some flyers around. Please spread the word about that. If you want to uh, give blood, you want to make an appointment, there's QR code on that flyer, or you can just call us at the church and we can set up that appointment for you as well. Um, but that's going to be in here on February 15th from 3.30 to 6.30. Uh, Sweetheart Ball will be coming up Sunday, February 12th or the 19th at 4.30 here in the Fellowship Hall. If you're wishing to celebrate a child, you are welcome to attend. There's all the details in the newsletter. If you have any questions about that, Susan has all that information and just let her know and I'm sure she'll love to pass that along. Uh, the reception for Miss Mary Jo Jackson will be here on February 19th following our combined worship service in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. Um, the reception will be here after that, and uh, we're going to have a great time celebrating her. If you want to make a, a love offering for Mary Jo, um, please write it in a memo line of your check to us, and we'll make sure that she uh, receives, that, receives that offering. All right, that is it. I hope you enjoy your Sunday. You are dismissed to be the church. <laughs>